1 Samuel chapter, chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Allow me to read a few more verses than normal. Keep your Bibles open. <clears throat> Let's break this down as there's something in this that caught my attention as many times as I've read it and preached from different portions of this. It caught my attention and it blessed my soul and I pray it does the same for you tonight. Let's just begin reading. Uh, let, let's start with, uh, with verse four. Verse four, 1 Samuel chapter one, verse four. And when the time of Elkanah offered, was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah. Now watch this next phrase. But the Lord had shut up her womb and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou and why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than 10 sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now watch this. Now Hannah, she spake, what's the next phrase? In her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, how long will thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief <clears throat> have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the Lord God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thy, and he, and she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. Now watch the change. So the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. 
and the man Elkanah and all of his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. I'll stop reading there. And of course, you know, the rest of this deals with what I use in every baby dedication here in the church because she does lend him back to the Lord and give him back to the Lord all the days of his life into the ministry of the Lord and the service of the Lord. And that same Samuel was the prophet that God used with the horn of oil to anoint the mighty king of Israel and give him a ministry of prophecy that, uh, that he would not have had had it not been for his mother and her prayers. Thank God for the prayers of a mother. I would say many of us here tonight would not be where we are on a Wednesday night in a house of the Lord doing what we're doing had it not been for a woman of prayer, maybe your mother in your life that prayed for you. I do know that there's some that you didn't have the privilege of being raised in church and you don't know anything about a mother's prayer and that doesn't make us any better. But regardless whether your mother prayed or not, thank God somebody prayed for you and somebody prayed for me. And prayer makes the difference. It's good to know that we serve a God that not only hears our prayers but can answer our prayers. And this is a story of a woman that was a woman of great prayer. Now, we know that God hears prayers. There's different kinds of prayers because there's different reasons to pray. We know in the Bible that the Bible teaches us that God hears a sinner who needs redemption because when that publican cried out, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and God heard his prayer. We know that God hears the prayer of a son when he needed reconciliation. When the prodigal said, I'm going to return to my father and say that I have sinned and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And the father met him and kissed him and gave him of the goods that he deserved because he had done the right thing by turning to God. He hears the prayer of a saint in Psalm 85, wanting revival. If you need revival, cry out to God. He'll hear your prayer. We know that he hears the prayers of a soldier when he needs reinforcement. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, God gave him what he needed to endure as a good soldier. We know he hears the prayers of a servant when he needed reassurance in Luke chapter 7. So God says, depending on your need, you'll cry out for different reasons. But it's good to know that we serve a God that can hear and answer every prayer. If I could just break this down quickly for you and mention a few things to you. First of all, I want you to look at the fact of, of Hannah and some of the things she teaches us. First, we see the fact that Hannah was barren. She could not have a child. Every woman in that time, her goal and purpose in life when she was married was to present a child under her husband. And her husband loved her, but he could not ever have a child by her because the Lord had shut up her womb. So she was barren. She was praying because she didn't have children. Some of you are praying not because spiritually you, you know that your children need the Lord. You've had children physically and you're thanking God for that, but spiritually they need to be born again. And sometimes you're praying and they're not saved. And the devil will say, you've done all you can do and you feel like you're barren. Don't stop praying. She was barren. She was also bothered. 
I think it's interesting to note in verses six and seven, she had an adversary. And that adversary that was there provoked her sore, made fun of her because she couldn't have children, made fun of her because of her situation. Isn't it a terrible thing to be in a place that you don't want to be and you're needing God to help you and answer prayer and for somebody to come along and make fun of you in that position? You really don't want to be there anyway, but there they are taunting you. Sometimes I'll be put in that predicament that uh, I hope that you don't think I'm in the flesh when I say this. I really wonder why people even bother to go to church sometimes with what they believe. I mean, if I didn't really believe God could answer prayer, I wouldn't bother. And sometimes the greatest adversary, I deal with a lot of sick people. And, and when you go in with a lot of sick people, you find out a lot about their family. And sometimes I'll go into a room and the doctors will give a terrible report. And that family member lying on the bed will say, preacher, I believe in God for healing. And I'll watch their family that profess Christianity scold them for believing in healing. Provoke them for believing in healing. Listen to me. I don't care what enemy comes against you. You just ignore them and you look to God and say, the devil can't stop me from entering into the throne room of God to get my needs met. I know we have enemies that will fight against us. The greatest enemy of all is the devil and he'll try to stop us. But you just keep praying. And that's what she did because in verse seven, year by year, she didn't stop going. She kept going and she kept praying. She kept going. He would be, she would be provoked more and she'd just keep going and keep praying. Don't let the devil get you down. Just keep going. She was bothered. She was broken. Verse eight, you'll find out how broken that she was. Her husband senses how her brokenness. It's one thing when we're broken, we do a good job covering it up for a while. But now it's obvious to her husband, something's wrong. Verse nine, she gets to the place that now she absolutely, uh, she, she's so broken that she's coming to the temple of God. And by the time you get to verse 10, the bitterness of her soul is there. She's broken. She doesn't know what to do. I suppose some of the saddest situations I've ever been in is the time that I kneel beside somebody at an altar and they can't say a single word. All they can do is weep before God out of brokenness. I don't know what the problem is. You don't have to tell me what your problem is tonight. But I can tell you this, God binds up the brokenhearted. You don't know when you come to a place of worship like you're in tonight. You don't know what somebody sitting beside you has already gone through this week. You don't know the sorrow that they have in their heart. But I don't care how broken that you are when you get to the point where that you absolutely feel like that you can't go on any further. God sees the broken heart and tears are a language that God can understand. Sometimes you can't say anything. All you can do is weep. Then she starts begging. She starts begging. When you look close in verse 10, that's really what it looks like. She's gotten intent with this now. In the bitterness of her soul, she starts praying. She's travailing. This goes to a point where she's doing more than saying a repetitious prayer. She's getting down to business with God. 
and pouring her heart out to God, saying, Lord, I'm serious about this. And then she starts bargaining in verse 11. Lord, if you give me a man child, I will give him to you in your ministry. Now, I would never encourage anyone to bargain with the Lord, but she feels desperate. And I don't care who you are. I don't, I don't think, uh, I, hope that, I hope that you don't think that I'm less spiritual by saying this, but there's been times we've all bargained with God, I feel. Lord, I, I want you to do this. If you do this, I'll do that. And the reason wasn't that she wasn't willing to, she couldn't give a man child to the Lord if she didn't have a man child. She was asking for something that was greater than her own ability. And sometimes we get that way. God, if you do this, I'll do that. Because that's your assurance for knowing that God did it. So she starts bargaining with God. And then all of that turns around when you get to verse 18. Verse 18, she's believing God now. The Bible says that the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. Huh? pretty amazing to me. She goes down before Eli and before the others and her countenance is sad and her life is broken and she's vexed sore from what she's going through. She's not eating. This is one of the first places you read in your Bible where fasting takes place out of a broken heart or a burden. There were others that fasted to hear the voice of the Lord that fasted for particular reasons. But here's a woman that is fasting out of a broken heart. She's crying out to God. But she doesn't leave that way. She gets up, wants something to eat. Her countenance is no longer sad. There's a change. Can I tell you something? When you hear from heaven, there's a change. Sometimes you get the answer before you see it. But there's a change. She still was without child. She still had no evidence when she would have a child. But yet when she got up, it was okay. God had it. I'm gonna live my life and I'm gonna go on because I believe God has this thing. So she's gone from doubt to believing God. That's what makes the change. When you start believing God for who he is and quit looking at ourselves for who we are looking at our failures, and we start reaching out by faith to the God that can do anything, that's when everything changes. And then we see that she was a blessed woman in verses 19 and 20. God gave her the desire of her heart. God allowed her to experience the impossible. She conceived and had a child. And we know that child was Samuel. But let's think about this prayer warrior for just a moment. And I want to point out just two or three things real quick to you before I close about praying when you're praying. I think Hannah teaches us these three or four things. First of all, she was steadfast in praying. She kept praying. She prayed in spite of a lot of things and she didn't let other things hinder her in her prayers. In verses, in verses six and seven, you'll read, really, let, let's just focus on verse six especially. Verse six, she kept praying, the Bible says, and her adversary. She kept praying in spite of her foes. Even though she had an enemy, it didn't stop her from praying. 
She prayed in the enemy's face. Have you ever prayed in the face of the devil? I mean, sometimes he'll tell you, I've got you. She didn't care if she had an enemy or not. She said, I'm gonna pray anyway. And she prayed in spite of her foe. And look, look on in that. And she said that in her, that adversary provoked her sore for to make her fret. She prayed in spite of fretting. Even though she was fretting, thank God she was still praying. I wish that we didn't worry about things, but sometimes we do worry about things. I'm not saying that worry is wise. I'm not saying that worry is good, but sometimes we do worry about things. You can be in the middle of all things. I sent a text to someone fighting a terrible battle early this morning, and I told them that what time I'm afraid, I'll trust in the Lord. Didn't say they weren't afraid. Said they're gonna trust God even though they are afraid. And she didn't say that she didn't fret. She just said, I'm gonna keep praying even though that I'm fretting. I'm worrying about this, but I'm gonna pray and pray and pray until I hear from heaven and God gives me a witness because he's greater than what I'm fretting. She kept praying in spite of her foes. She kept praying in spite of fretting. She kept praying in spite of her flesh. She was praying, but her womb was still closed up, shut up. But she kept praying. Well, let's put this in terms that you can understand. That means that even when you're sick, you keep praying. Even when the tests get worse, you keep praying. Even when the cancer spreads, you keep praying. <laughs> Even when it looks like that it's over. I know I wouldn't embarrass them for anything, but they've given their own testimony and I don't feel it's inappropriate. Tom and Mindy Martin sat across the desk from me in the old church and, and they sat there just stoic and Tom said, it's over. Our marriage is over. We're done. But we kept praying. I don't know if they remember that, but I said, I don't believe a word of that. People sometimes will call me for counseling and they'll say, preacher, you, you know, we're going through this and, and it's just impossible to reconcile. And I said, hey, if you're looking for a preacher to tell you it's easier to split up than stay together, you've got the wrong preacher because I'm gonna pray that you reconcile no matter what happens. I know sometimes it can happen, but still, I'm always in favor of reconciliation. You don't want a preacher that'll tell you God can't. You want a preacher that'll tell you God can. The results get bad. Sometimes the test gets worse. Sometimes you're lying on a deathbed. I remember entering into an ICU unit one time filled with unbelievers and the doctor came in and the doctor said, call the rest of your family. She'll not make it until the end of the day. The doctor walks out of the room I step up to pray, and while I'm praying for comfort for the family, the Holy Ghost touched my heart. And I don't know why I said it. It's not me, but a passage of scripture came to mind. She shall live and not die. The next morning she ate breakfast. 
off the ventilator, lived, still living. I'm here to tell you, God has the final say. Don't quit praying. In spite of what all the evidence is, don't stop praying. We have thousands that join us by live stream. And, and church, I never, I never overlook you. I rarely do this. But I want to look the camera right in the eye tonight and tell you, I don't care if your church is down to eight people. Don't stop praying. I don't care if the devil says you're going to close your doors. Don't stop praying. I don't care if the enemy says you can't get a pastor. Don't stop praying. I'm saying to you, don't ever let what you're experiencing overwhelm you to cause you to stop praying. She was steadfast in her prayers. She was sincere in her prayers. Verse 10, she was sincere in travailing. She had bitterness of soul. There's no doubt about it when you look at it. Her soul was absolutely travailing and crying out as well as her heart. And not only that, she was sincere, not only in her travail, but in her tears. She's crying out to God and she wept sore. Can I, can I give you one piece of advice that'll keep you from getting conned? You know, there's many deceivers. There's many that say they're of Christ and many that say they are Christ. But there's one, one, piece, of, one piece of advice I can give every one of you. This is prayer meeting advice because other people can't take it. It takes a prayer meeting crowd to take this. Beware of the preacher that always cries and never sheds a tear. What do you mean by that? I know preachers that can change their voice just like that. And you declare that they're, they're sincere. No, they're a good candidate for a soap opera. Beware of the preacher that always cries but never sheds a tear. And beware of the person that they are always the center of every illustration in their life. Doesn't revolve around me, it revolves around him. We heard some testimonies here tonight. I never heard one person say, look at me, look at what I've done. They said, look at what God has done. Look at what a great God that we serve. It's not me, it's not you, it's the Lord. That's free. I'm moving on. She was specific in her prayers. She not only prayed for a child, she prayed for a man child. She said, I'll, I want a man child. And she not only prayed for the man child, but she prayed for the man child to be in the ministry. I'll lend him unto you. By lending him unto, unto the Lord, that basically meant he wound up being raised in the temple. That didn't mean that she was dictating God's plan for his life to say he's gonna be a prophet or a preacher. She said, I'm just giving him to you, Lord, for the ministry. I don't know what ministry it is, but it's back to you, Lord. You give me a man child, I give the man child to you. And you take that man child and use that man child in your ministry. She prayed specifically. She was also 
silent in her praying. Verse 13, her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Hmm. That's interesting. Why was she praying? And, and it's very clear what she was doing. Verse 13, look at this. She prayed from a particular place. Why did she pray this way? Now, maybe other preachers can correct me after service or remind me, maybe I overlooked it, but, but I could not recall anywhere else in scripture where I read where someone prayed silently, and that is what she's doing. It's a silent prayer. Her lips are moving, but she's not talking. That means she's silent. She's praying from a place that it doesn't matter whether you have a voice as you pray or don't have a voice. If you don't pray from this place, your prayer won't be heard. What do you mean? Look close. She prayed from a place that Eli could not see. He could see her lips. He could not hear her words. So he automatically assumes she's drunk and even accuses her of being drunk. So Eli couldn't see the place that she was at praying. Her adversary could not see the place that she was praying from. Be careful what you say out loud. Don't give the devil too much credit. He's pretty stupid. I mean, after all, he thought he could hold the son of God in the grave. He thought he, thought he could drown him. Forgot he could walk on the water. He thinks he knows, but he doesn't know. In fact, in your life, the only thing that he knows sometimes is what you tell him. Be careful what you tell the enemy. By praying silently, the devil couldn't hear what she was saying. Her adversaries couldn't hear what she was saying. You know, that's, that's, that's a lot of wisdom because once he finds something bothers us, he won't stop. He just keeps hammering on that and keeps hammering on that. And here we are, we're the one that's molding the bullet for him to fire at us. But Eli couldn't see it. Her adversary couldn't see it, the place she was praying from. Only God could see the place she was praying from. Well, what place was she praying from? Verse 13, she spake in her heart. The devil can't see your heart. The enemy can't see your heart. But thank God he sees my heart. And he sees your heart. He knows what's in your heart. And that's why she was praying from her heart. Her lips was moving. But really the words were coming from her heart. It wasn't coming from her voice. It's not the fact that you come down here and pray loud, you're welcome to do that. It's not that you pray with flowery words, you're welcome to do that. It is, does the prayer come from your heart? From her heart. So her prayer reached heaven. God could see it. You know what kind of prayer reaches heaven? The prayer that reaches heaven is the prayer that starts in heaven. 
from our heart. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. God says, I know your heart. I know that your heart is desperately wicked, but God said, I know your heart when you pray. God knows if we're just saying words. God knows if we're just spending time. God knows if we're just putting on a show. God knows our heart. Her prayer was silent. And then finally, she was successful in her praying. Her worries were overcome. Her worship was obvious in verse 19. She worshiped. Can you worship while you're worried? You'd be amazed what would happen to your worries tonight if you just worshiped. I know we've kidded around a lot tonight about different things. I don't do that all the time, but if I don't laugh in the pulpit, I, I laugh at church, I'd never get a laugh. That's where I'm at all the time. And, uh, but yet, I'd hate, I would really mean, I, I mean this, I would hate to think that the weather outside would hinder my worship. I would hate to think that conditions and environment would hinder my worship. It's your heart. I'll close with this. Her prayer was answered. Her womb was open. God gave her a child. When all she could do is pray from her heart and worship God in spite of all of it. I was called to a home here in our area several years ago. I had no idea what I was stepping into. When I get to the home, the gentleman has ALS. ALS can be a cruel disease. People deteriorate, they don't know how fast they deteriorate, but it eventually takes over the body so that there's no longer the neuromuscular ability to perform tasks that we take for granted every day. No longer walking, no longer moving your arms, no longer speaking, no ability whatsoever. It's gone. No connection from the brain to send the signals to the muscles through the nerves to respond properly. The desire is there, but the inability is too great from the disease. This man had progressed far enough in the disease that he followed our church. He listened to the sermons, listened to the songs, listened to our worship. And they called me and said, he is unsaved. Would you come and maybe talk to him about the Lord? Well, when I got there, I didn't realize he couldn't talk. The disease had progressed far enough at that point. He'd lost all ability to talk. He could not move a muscle. His eyes could move. He had a, at that time, I mean, this is stepping back in time, several years, quite phenomenal. What they provided him with, one of the major hospitals in this nation, they provided him with a, it looked like a, a giant iPad. And the letters were on that screen. 
How it works, I don't know. There's people here more technical than I that can explain it. But basically, he would stare at a letter and it would type the letter. Then he would stare at the next letter, it would type the letter. Then he would stare at the next letter, type the letter. Put a space between the words. When he got it all done, then he could look at one button and that machine would speak what he had typed with his eyes. I'd never seen anything like it. When I went in, they introduced me. I told him how thankful that I was to be there. And I didn't know his response. I knew he needed the Lord. So his family said, it'll take him a few minutes. He's trying to tell you something. Well, then they explained the process while he's doing this. Several minutes passed and he looked at that machine and it spoke. And this is what it said. Calvin Ray Evans, I love you. I told him, I said, I've never met you, but I love you too. And we had a conversation. It took quite a while. But by the way, it's always worth it, regardless how long it takes. But the greatest day in my life, one of the great days, is when I finally saw him look at that button and it's, it, the, the machine spoke. Praise the Lord, I'm saved. I'm saved. No worries, had no voice, but he had a heart and he had a mind. God made a way where there was no way. I wonder, think about what that took. All the years of science and technology for one man to be able to confess his salvation to a room full of people. Isn't God good? Denver Rake is with us tonight. Denver just got back. In fact, you got out today. We talked this morning. I talked to Denver on the phone this morning. And uh, when I talked to him for a few moments, he said, I'm breaking out of here. <laughs> out of Columbus Hospital. I'm breaking out of here. I'll see you at church tonight. Now, if he went on the way he felt, he wouldn't be here. But you see, prayer goes beyond the way we feel. Prayer goes beyond the things that sometimes bog down our mind. Prayer says, I'm reaching to God and God can do anything. 